Are you ready? It's that time! Hello and welcome. Sorry, I said I was going to do this in Monster Truck Club. Hello and welcome to another episode of Man Buns and Jesus. Embarrassing. <laughs> I live I live to do that to you, Josh. Um, I'm Pastor Ben Walschlager here in Lake Orion, Michigan. That is Pastor Josh Laborious, or that, or that, or wherever it is on your screen in Currently Most people don't watch the video anyway. Corona, California. Yes. Ah, cool. I know where his yes. apartment is. Um, <laughs> that doesn't sound creepy at all. It's yeah. fine. We're friends. <laughs> we're friends, Liv. Um, welcome to another episode of Man Buns and Jesus. This is season two, episode 24-ish. It is 24. Okay. Josh, what are we talking about today? Today we are talk, talking, ranting, whatever, uh, about pretentiousness. <laughs> oh, this is, uh, I don't know about you, Ben, this is a pet peeve of mine. I hate pretension. It just, so pretentious, as defined by the Oxford Dictionary, is attempting to impress by affecting greater importance, talent, culture, etc., than is actually possessed um and this is something that and i love my brothers in the ministry i love them to death but for whatever reason there are a lot of pretentious pastors and it just i don't get it i really don't um and unless you want to jump in i'm going to get started by just some of the things people are pretentious about that just drive me nuts the floor is yours my friend and i know some of you gentlemen listening to this are going to have issues with some of the things i'm about to say but you know what listen to last week's podcast marinate on that for a little bit and then come back um so affecting greater importance uh talent culture um i think where this bothers me most is is two two kind of instances that I think are chronic for pastors. The first is what your drink of choice is. Um, you know, oh, that's that's not a good whiskey or a good bourbon or whatever. So, couple of things on this first. If you are a pastor, you do not get paid such that you can really afford good whiskey or bourbon, right? Like, I lived in Boca Raton. It better have been a gift because otherwise you are wild. I lived in Boca Raton for a year. (laughs) And some of the members of the, like, to put it in context, some of the members of those congregations, when the congregation was starting a capital campaign, could casually drop a million dollars out of pocket. That's the kind of person 
that lives in Boca, well, that's some of the people who live in Boca Raton, right? They could afford bottles of liquor that cost more than my car. If you paid $200 at Total Wine for a bottle it is not worth getting pretentious about. <laughs> okay, it's, you are not classier because you drink a slightly more expensive bourbon or whiskey or whatever okay calm down you can enjoy it you are free to if you want to pay more for your liquor and you want to enjoy it responsibly by all means you are not better than anyone because of it though and it drives me nuts and this is this is one of the reasons i stick with rum as my drink of choice first of all i think it tastes better um because i'm a child and rum is uh alcoholic sugar so I love it, um, but also rum is is rum. It's it's not classy. No matter like I I the most expensive bottle of rum I have ever seen was only like seventy five dollars. So I'm sure you can get an expensive one, but who cares, right? It's <laughs> I'm not like you can't I I can't pretend I'm classy drinking rum. It's a pirate's drink, right? It's there's nothing classy about it. At and that point, I'm you have okay more in that. common with Jack Sparrow than James Bond. Yes, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> so that's one thing, and I think pastors, especially, they're they're they get all uppity over what they drink, and I'm like, it doesn't matter. At like liking good bourbon is not a personality. Don't pretend that it is. Um, but the other thing that people get pretentious about is education. Mm. How many degrees you have. It's not that important, right? Especially after so bachelor's degree, I think for most people is still right it you're you're broadly educated. But like any further degree than that really tends to mean you know a lot about a very small band of something, right? Ben and I, we both have our Master of Divinity. We know a lot about Lutheran theology. <laughs> that is it. My, my Masters of Divinity does not qualify me to speak on anything else with additional authority, right? So this idea of like, I'm you're not hot stuff because you have an additional degree, right? I and I would rather spend time and hang out and be be close to people who never went to college but are good people who have common sense than a million people with PhDs who have no common sense and are and are their personality is that they have a PhD, right? Um, I, I'm going to give credit to, and I don't, I don't think they've ever listened to this podcast, but maybe I'll tag them in this. I have to give credit to my in-laws, my, my brother and sister-in-law, who both have doctorates, did not know this about them for the first two and a half years I was dating Chris, or the first two and a half years I knew them, I was dating and engaged to Chris. Um, it never ever came up 
they did it, they did it for their careers. They did it for whatever reasons, but they never pretended it made them more important or more talented or whatever. It made them experts in their field. And it, I suspect increased their, their base salary, but that's, so when I think pretentious, those are the two things that come to mind for me is people who think they're better or more important because they, they drink a certain liquor or because they have a certain degree. And I hate to break it to anyone who does. You're not, you're not that special. It's you're not <laughs> sorry for that reason. You're special because God made you special and he loves you very much, but you're not special because you like fancy bourbon. What do you think, Ben? Am I nuts I mean, or? No, I think I think you. He's pulling you, up the sleeves for everyone who just listens and doesn't watch the video. He pulled up his sleeves, so we might be in trouble. Uh, you've definitely hit on something. Um, I'm not going to out out uh, a brother pastor here, but uh, <laughs> shortly after shortly after I moved here, um, I met with a bunch of the pastors in the area. Um, cause they're all like, there's this 26 year old guy with lots of hair. That's now in our circuit. I kind of want to see know. if we can get him to get a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually that got none of that from them. Um, including the bald one. Um, he's my circuit visitor, Matt, if you're listening, I love okay. you. Um, I, hold on. Time out. Time out. I got to tell you a story. Cause you're going to appreciate this and, and uh -oh. everybody, everyone else on the bald thing. Uh, I was at the pastor's conference last week and someone was making jokes about my hair and how, cause you know, how California I am. I'm not, but how California I am. <laughs> and, and he was like, what? Are, cause I was staring at, and I was looking forward and he was in front of me. He's like, you staring at my hair. And I was like, no, I'm staring at your hairline. <laughs> cause he's, cause he's, you know, balding and, uh, he didn't appreciate that, but everyone else in the room did. So be careful, be careful. If you come at someone with a man bun and you're balding, it's really easy for us to come back. Sorry, I gotta grow all this hair to make up for all the hair you don't have. So, all right, continue, Ben. I've told you. Anyway, so I uh, got taken out for, for beer and lunch by uh, one of, one of uh, these pastors. And uh, then another one calls me up and I go out and have beer and lunch with him a couple of days later. And in conversations with this second pastor about where we were going to go, uh, basically shamed first pastor's taste in beer. Um, so I've definitely seen that side of things. Um, that particular instance was done in jest, but like, I've also seen that done in, in reality where people will just absolutely and sorry for the kids in the car crap on other people's uh ain't nothing wrong with pbr i think i don't drink beer so i guess i can't actually speak to any of that pbr but. is my is my cheap beer of choice uh if you are roasting weenies if you are doing <laughs> beer brats if you want to make beer bread there is nothing better than pbr and if you are just finishing up mowing the lawn on a hot day in the Midwest and you are drenched in sweat because when you walk outside, it feels like you're swimming. Drink some nothing. water. Well, okay, yeah, get some water too. But there is nothing more refreshing than a really- Ice cold really Coca-Cola. Really, really cheap light beer. <laughs> 
Uh, shout out to everyone who also loves uh, Natty Light or Hams or Bud Light. Go for or, it. Or Follow Bush Dreams. Or if you're in St. Louis, Bush Latte. <laughs> yeah. This isn't Just, a podcast about alcohol. We're going to do place, one of those at some point. But the one place I will draw the line is uh, Old Style. Uh, if If you drink Old Style, it's a Chicago thing but there's something wrong with you. Um, we love you. We love you. This thing is about being pretentious. Um, <laughs> so the summary of this is what you drink is not that important. No, it is absolutely not that important. Um, and that happens in, in other places and other hobbies and other, whatever the case may be. Um, I, I like to golf. When I roll up to a golf course, um, the only time I will ever make fun of somebody for their equipment on a golf course uh, is if they blame it for everything that they do wrong rather than their own lack of athletic ability. Um, so, for example, a uh, guy at a church that I was at a couple of years ago uh, switched putters like four or five times in the time that I knew him. Um, why? Because it was always the putter's fault that the, the ball wouldn't go in the hole. Not him as the guy wielding the putter. It was the putter's fault. Um, what's, what's that pro, that old proverb? Uh, it's a poor craftsman that blames his tools. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm not going to judge somebody who wants to enjoy a hobby if their equipment is not up to standard or isn't even the nicest stuff because like I'm a pastor. I'm not that well off compared to some people in this world. And honestly, I have better things to spend my money on than, than like high end stuff in some of these instances. So I'll buy what I can buy and uh, enjoy the, the sport the best I can or enjoy the hobby the best I can. Um, and if it means that I don't have all the tools to do some of the stuff that I want to do, or all the equipment to play some sports or all the whatever, I'll figure it out. That's fine. I've got tape holding together my soccer cleats for slow pitch right now because I don't have softball cleats and one pair of cleats I do have, I'm trying to limp through the end of the year so that I can get new ones in the spring. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. And I think, so when it comes to like, from a Christian perspective, I think pretentiousness is actually really bad for the church. Mm -hmm. Whether, whether it's from the pastor, which I ranted about a little bit, or from members of the church, because what it does is it doesn't bring anyone closer to the community, but it sure it's going to keep people away. Right. Because they're going to see that they're going to be like these, these people value, they put so much stock in what they drink, what they drive, where they live, how they golf, whatever the pretension of choice is, they put so much stock in it that it's like, why they think that's so important and it's not. So they're either judging you for like having your values in the wrong place, or they're saying, this is really important and I don't match it. So I don't belong here. Right. Um, 
being a, a craft beer fit like if you're at a church who's really big on craft beer for what and that's what people are pretentious about and they and someone comes in and they say like me i don't like beer at all i've had a lot of people said i'm gonna find a beer that you like i'm gonna get no it's never worked they've tried Amazing that, I, that josh and i are friends yeah um <laughs> but like if i walk into the church i don't i don't fit that mold so there's part of me that's going to think I don't belong here. Um, now that's not my personality. My personality is more, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to fit in. I'm going to make myself fit in. And then I'm going to make fun of y'all for being so pretentious about your craft beer. But I digress. Um, I think it's, it's incredibly harmful for the church when you have pretentious people about anything. Um, I mean, that, yeah. that applies to the way that like, the the culture of the church operates so like if you are if all of your social events and gatherings circle around a single thing you might be kind of creating an unnecessary hurdle for people to to gain access to your community uh and same kind of goes for for pastors making illustrations um there's a reason that it's so often decried in our seminary education that you can't just use sports analogies for everything. Because if all you ever do is create or is use sports analogies, then you're creating this unnecessary bar. You're wielding an unnecessary power over people trying to access the word of God through your church. And you're creating that roadblock that's keeping them away. Right. It's okay to use examples like that every once in a while, but it can't become. Yeah, mix it and up. I think part of that's because, you know, no offense to them, some of our classmates are really nerdy, and, and the one normal thing they have is sports. Sports. <laughs> so, um, and I think uh, related to what's the. No, I was shutting the Oh, fake tear. A fake yeah. tear. Um, I think a related thing is a, is to this pretentiousness is a thing called gatekeeping mm. where um, people put requirements on something that aren't there or that maybe shouldn't be there. So one, one example would be um, the new, the new Lord of the Rings show that is out. There are a number of fans who are very upset about certain things in the show. And I, I'm talking, I'm not talking about like the, the racial things. Like there are people who are upset about a black dwarf and it's like that that's dumb for other reasons, but there are people who are legitimately upset because it doesn't adhere to certain elements of Tolkien's world. <laughs> um, my brother is one of them. We brought him on from a Lord of the Rings episode. There are elements of the show he's really not happy about. And that's fine. What gatekeeping would be if he would then say, I could, I enjoy this show. I, I, I really enjoy this show. I'm not as into Lord of the Rings. So I don't even know where it disagrees with this, the Tolkien's original world. Um, what would be gatekeeping is if he said, I couldn't enjoy it because I don't understand it. Or I, you know, I'm not allowed to enjoy something because I don't have this background or whatever. So that's kind of an example of what gatekeeping is. And it's very closely related to pretentiousness because you're making, again, you're making something way more important than it is. 
And that's another thing that's a problem in the church, right? You can't, you can't gatekeep in the church. That's just antithetical to what we do. Yeah. I got, I got nothing there. I mean, okay. We should define, define terms here a little bit because gatekeeping as a, a means to keep people from harming themselves is a good thing, but gatekeeping as Josh is describing it is where you do it in unnecessary ways. And it like, it very much meshes with the definition of being pretentious because when you're being pretentious, you're, you're giving yourself power that was never yours in the first place. So here's a definition for gatekeeping that fits right in with that. This is from Urban Dictionary. Oh, thank you. Gatekeeping is when someone takes it upon themselves to decide who does or does not have access or rights to a community. Um, and here are two examples that I think are just perfect because there's this is pretentiousness, this is gatekeeping all kind of in one. Uh, quote, I love punk bands like Green Day. The response. Uh, they're not even punk. They totally sold out. <laughs> right. So that second person is is being pretentious about it. They're gatekeeping. And then the other one. Oh, man, I love Harry Potter. I'm such a geek. Person two. Hardly. Talk to me when you're into theoretical physics. <laughs> gatekeeping on what a geek is on whether or not. You, so. Um, and I think that does happen in the church. Sorry, there's there's a definition that will That'll work. Continue. Yeah. And I think the key thing that I want to draw out of that is the the like self-aggrandizing element of it, right? There are people whose responsibility it is to keep people from doing something that they are not qualified to do, right? And that is a good thing. Right. You should example, not be allowed to do surgery if you do not have a medical degree. <laughs> exactly. Or I was going to say, you shouldn't be allowed to to like run the reactor at a nuclear facility unless you have the, the requisite training and degrees. Right. I don't particularly want to see another Chernobyl. Uh, I don't want to see somebody die on the operating table because the surgeon didn't know what a heart was compared to a spleen, right? Like, where's all this blood coming from? <laughs> but they, in those particular cases, the security or the uh, staff at a certain facility, uh, or even like the medical licensing board is there for a reason. Um, and that's not what we're getting at. What we're getting at is when you set those boundaries and those borders, in unnecessary places for no good reason. Um, so I was going to go to places that gates are appropriate in the church, if you want to. Well, I was going to cite a couple of things first. So go for it. Go for it. I'm going to use a sports analogy here because. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> um, so, for example, like if. Uh, if you're teaching somebody how to play a sport, right? Um, I love to, to play disc golf and it's a, a sport that's growing quite a bit. There's a lot of people who are interested in learning how to play it. Um, 
gatekeeping would be something like um, me not wanting more people on the course because that means that the course is more crowded and so I make it more difficult for people to you know acquire the equipment or figure out how to play or um, just make myself a nuisance in order that they don't want to be around it right and the same thing can kind of apply to um, all sorts of different activities uh, if my quilters wanted to gatekeep their quilting room not saying this is what they actually do um, but if they wanted to say you can't come until you know how to quilt like that would be gatekeeping the entire point of the the quilting room here is to give people an outlet for community to teach them how to quilt and do some other sewing projects and to uh, eventually benefit the people who will receive our quilts and blankets and bags and all the other stuff that they make. So um, th those are just unnecessary hurdles and unnecessary bars. And when we do stuff like that in the church, it's stuff like, um, I think saying things like you have to have a certain understanding of Christ before you can come to a service. I think that's unnecessary gatekeeping because even if, as Josh is gonna get into in a minute, there are pieces of what we do as a Christian community that they are not able to partake in yet. They can still come confess their sins and be absolved in the name of Christ. That, that does not take a lot of training to get someone to. Um, things like singing to the God, the, the God, the creator of the universe who sent his son to die for us, hearing a sermon. These things do not need that much gatekeeping if any, um, eh, they don't need any. Um, and it's, it's frustrating when that becomes a thing. And it, it happens with um, like community standards. It happens with um, leering eyes, uh, staring down visitors. Uh, it happens with um, people shushing other people's kids. Um, that one bothers the snot out of me. I haven't seen it here, which has been nice, uh, but I've seen it at other churches where like, there's a level of, well, if you aren't going to parent well enough, then I don't want you sitting in the pew behind me. That's what, that's what that communicates to the parents that are hearing that. So Yikes. Yeah. Josh. So with all that being said, I think in any circumstance, participation in the church should not have any any real gates. Um, except for like the very fundamental ones. Like if you're a danger to the people around you, we're we're probably gonna do something about that. Um, but there are some gates that I think are very appropriate in the church. You know, we were talking about kind of the surgeon, the stuff like that. Um, preaching is one of them. In in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, which both of our churches are a part of, um, you cannot preach unless you are a called and ordained minister. Um, there are a few exceptions to that, based on like frequently based out of need. Uh, mm -hmm. and in consultation with uh, your district and your circuit visitor, whatever. Um, but 
there's a very good reason for that. You know, earlier when we were talking about people who are pretentious about degrees, our degrees aren't important for a lot of stuff, but they are for preaching. Because we have the theological background, we have the background where we can take a passage from scripture and say like, what does this mean in context? What does this mean? And, and, and it protects our preaching from being unfaithful, especially accidentally so. Um, so preaching is something that it's appropriate that there's a gate there, right? It, it's not appropriate that any person get up and start saying things authoritatively when they may have no real understanding of, of the scripture, of the theology that, that we adhere to. So um, another one I think is leadership. In the same vein, you, sh you probably shouldn't be leading a Bible study if you don't have an understanding of what scripture says. Um, my congregation has spent the lot well our midweek bible study has spent the last two weeks studying james 3 which is 18 verses of hot fire from james's pen on why it's important for leaders to be uh <laughs> elegant well uh well trained wise and humble so so the biblical gates um and then the other thing that i want to throw out there is there is also a little bit of elements to gatekeeping in when you are serving the church. And by that, I mean, sometimes loving Jesus is not enough for you to serve in certain roles, right? Uh, a couple examples it, on the, on the worship team. If you love Jesus, that is great. But if you are tone deaf, you should not be <laughs> mic'd up leading the worship service. Right. That is why, Edgewater, you have never seen me up there trying to lead music. I cannot sing well. I cannot play any instruments except for like four chords on an acoustic guitar. Um, that is not my gift. I love Jesus. I'm good at some stuff. That's not that's not on the list. So um, or or with kids. Right. If you love Jesus, that's great. But if you scare children, you should not be teaching Sunday school. If you are completely out of touch with young people, you probably shouldn't be leading in youth ministry, right? These are things, you, there, there's a skill set, there's a, there's a predisposition, there's a talent that you really need to serve in these capacities. Um, and I think those are kind of appropriate gates to have in the church. Um, you missed so, the obvious one, Josh. What's the obvious one? Communion? Mm, yeah. I, I thought about it, but I was like, do we, do we really have time to do the close, the close communion conversation? I mean, all, all we really have to say about it, and I, if our brothers in Christ here, feel like here, here, we're here. underselling this, that's, that's Can fair. Can I give you my spiel that I, that I do every Sunday? Go for it. <clears throat> As we approach the table of communion, we acknowledge that there is forgiveness of sins here and that Christ promises to meet us at this table. To do that, we have to acknowledge that we're sinners who need forgiveness. And the other part of this meal is, is about our relationship with each other. By coming together to this table, we acknowledge that we believe together. We believe as a community, we believe the same thing. So if you're comfortable with that, 
if you are okay coming forward and saying, I'm a repentant sinner who needs forgiveness, and I believe the doctrines of Edgewater Lutheran Church, and I don't say this on Sunday, but by extension, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, then you are welcome at this table. And if not, you are still more than welcome to come forward, but out of respect for what we are doing here, we ask that you cross your arms over your chest and we'll have a prayer and a blessing instead. That's a gate we keep for communion for those reasons to to come to the table you have to be a repentant sinner mm-hmm. like that's that's part of it we we come to the table with a repentant heart um and then the other part is it's a sign of confessional agreement it's a sign that we do believe the same things we believe together so um those are gates we keep and those are scriptural gates Coming out of Corinthians is is where a lot of that comes from, um, and that's a whole not. But that's kind of bare bone. That's what I say every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Which for anyone who would come at Edgewater because we have we're a contemporary church, anyone who would come at us and say you're not confessional, I bet that statement is more than you do for close communion. Anyway, that's a side note. But that's a gate we keep in the church that, like I said, we could talk a lot about. But how's that? That was pretty good. Uh, yeah. And, like, the the reality of why we keep these gates is for the benefit of the community, right? You don't want uh, anybody standing up and preaching because if you – the the classic example at the seminary is grandma schmidt uh if you like i heard a new one recently uh at a at the pastor's conference i heard grandma schmidt key i was like that seems like a really superficial change but okay yeah um so if you allow grandma schmidt into the pulpit and grandma schmidt she may have attended a lutheran church her entire life um but likely does not have a a deep theological training uh it is far more likely her for her to say something that is uh questionable um yeah we'll go with questionable uh and and the same thing applies to you know anyone else in the congregation they don't even have to be somebody that's had the years of wisdom that grandma schmidt may have right um we we guard our pulpits in order that we do the best we can to uh get as close as we can to a guarantee that people are going to hear the word of god faithfully and they are going to hear the gospel um we guard our leadership positions in a congregation so that our churches don't well, they already kind of do, uh, but that they don't just splinter in every direction more than they already have. Um, we guard our teaching positions because you want people to come up knowing the way that they should go and not questioning the way that they should go because their teachers were ineffective. Um, and we guard our communion rails because we don't want people eating and drinking to their condemnation. Um, so when we keep gates, we keep them scripturally and we keep them for the church's benefit, 
for the people's benefit, for the community's benefit. If it's not one of those things, uh, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Oh boy. No words. You better believe just, I just quoted quoted Ronald Reagan on this podcast. Beautiful. It's beautiful you. what you've done here, I guess. Thank you. Um, <laughs> are we ready for takeaways? I have nothing to go. I have nothing to respond to there. <laughs> yeah, I'm good if we go there. Um, my takeaway, uh, don't be pretentious. That's it. That's it. Don't be pretentious. Okay. I'm, I'm good with that as our one takeaway. I like it. Short, simple to the point. Uh, pray, uh, pray for, pray for all those who serve in the church, uh, all those who are connected with churches that they would be um, open and welcoming in, in what they do and how they act. Um, pray for um, anyone we've offended by things we said weren't important on this episode. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I we'll call that good. We'll call that good for today. And uh, shameless plugs. If you like this episode and you have pretentious friends that you want to come after, share it with them. Go ahead, do it. It's a little passive aggressive, but we're that's okay for now. Um, send it to them, uh, see what they have to say about it. Maybe they'll come back and they'll say, yeah, that's right. And you have to be like, oh, well, I sent it to you because you're pretentious. Um, but go ahead and share this episode with them. Just copy the link and text it to them, whatever. Uh, we you are on- this episode shared with you, you might need to do some reflecting. Don't get mad at them. Think about it for a minute first. <laughs> Maybe they're right. Uh, you can also follow us, subscribe on all the major pla podcasting platforms. We are there. Um, and it makes us feel good to see our subscribers go up because it means people are listening and it's worth our time. Um, and we also have a Facebook page. We care very much less about that. It posts pretty much exactly once a week when a new episode comes out. Um, but what it's there for is if you are not personally connected with either one of us and you want to suggest a topic or a, a guest or you want to um, come on as a guest and you're interested in, in doing that, um, you can reach out to us. We're, we're happy for all of those things. If you have a topic you want us to talk about, if you want to come on, if you want us to try and get a guest, um, we will try our best. Uh, someone suggested recently Flame. I don't know that he would respond to our emails, but we could try. Uh, someone else suggested Joe Rogan. I don't think he would come on to our podcast, but again, we could try. Um, the Facebook page is great for all of that. If you have a personal connection with us, you can just shoot us a text, talk to us. Um, and that's our shameless plugs for the day. So this has been Man Buns and Jesus, season two, episode 24-ish. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, I was hyped. Oh, sorry. Thanks be to God. I'm done. I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs>